Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. This week we have Dr. Megan Johnson, who is a licensed clinical psychologist, educator, therapist, and researcher specializing in trauma and brain behavior relationships. In addition to her role as a staff psychologist at a hospital in Los Angeles, she also provides therapy and supervises clinicians in training at Woven Together Trauma Therapy in Santa Monica, California. She has held academic appointments at UCLA and the University of Laverne and has recently developed Traumastery, rhymes with monastery or tra- Traumastery, a virtual education platform to assist survivors and professionals in becoming trauma-informed. This is a great conversation, and I really hope you enjoy our discussion on trauma. Let's get right into it. Welcome to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. We have a great guest, Dr. Megan Johnson, and we're going to talk about all things trauma. And before we got on, I made this joke quickly, but I'll say it again. As a therapist, I think um, uh, it's funny how therapists say to each other, like, we like certain mental health topics. And I love working and talking about trauma because I truly believe, and hopefully we'll get into this after uh, Dr. Megan um, introduced herself, but the idea of how trauma can really be impacted to a lot of people really struggle with trauma more than we either believe, realize, or understand. So before we get into that, Megan, could you please introduce yourself to the listeners? Yeah, sure. I'm Dr. Megan Johnson. I'm a clinical psychologist in Los Angeles, California. Um, I work primarily at a local hospital here, but I also have a private practice on the side called Woven Together Trauma Therapy, um, where we, surprise, surprise, focus on trauma. Um, And then in addition, um, I've got an educational platform called Traumastery, where I teach people, both survivors of trauma and just people in general who might encounter loved ones or clients with trauma, um, how to be more trauma-informed. And, and I want to start off maybe with the harder questions, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Of course, we're not going to get into specifics of certain traumas and how it works. Um, but can we kind of dispel some of the myths about trauma, right? Because I think that's a big deal. Because I think sometimes people overuse the word trauma, like, oh, I was stuck online. I'm so traumatized. Like, no, you are not. But there is a difference, right? When we were chatting before about the little T's and big T's. And I always have a hard time really explaining what trauma is Mm -hmm. um, because I know the clinical sense, but in layman's terms, can you kind of explain what is trauma? Yeah, it is so important because people do say, oh, this is trauma. That's trauma. And it's like, no, that was a minor inconvenience that you could cope with. Like it doesn't frustrate. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't mean that it wasn't stressful or distressing in some way, but it, it wasn't trauma. So trauma, as I understand it, and of course, everybody has their own um, definition. And then there's the DSM definition, which I actually disagree with. Um, but the, the definition I use is anything that overwhelms your nervous system to the extent that you are not capable of coping with it. So it's an, it's an overwhelm of the nervous system essentially. Yeah. I, I kind of describe it as something that, that stops you from being able to then effectively function. Yeah. It's so, it's so impactful that you now cannot be the person effectively that you want to be. Yeah. And I think that's the rule of thumb for most mental health struggles, totally. but can, can you tell us why you disagree with the DSM? <laughs> yes, I will. Um, I feel like I'm going to get reported to my licensing board or something. Um, so <laughs> the DSM, um, I don't know the, the verbiage off the top of my head, but they define trauma 
um, in very specific terms. So it's, you have to have your life or your bodily integrity actually threatened or yeah, at risk. Um, or you have to witness somebody else having their life or bodily integrity. Um, And we know it's not true because if you read or most therapists, I, I believe, or most people in the mental health world have read this one book that everyone refers to, Bessel van der Kolk, right? Yeah. Everyone goes, oh, I love that book. Yes, it is one of the best books written um, about therapy and about trauma. And it defines two different types of trauma, right? Little yeah. T and big T. So yeah. with the little T, the little T is not, and we'll get into the definition of those two things in a second, but little T is not usually bodily harm or or, or that risk, it is something, let's say, for example, a loss of a job, or maybe an end of a relationship, or, or a death in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not a risk to your life. Mm-hmm. Um, it is really, it's really destructive and hurtful and painful, and all those bad words and negative words. But, but it's not the, you know, on you know, I, I love like making fun of the DSM sometimes, and hopefully I don't get reported to the board also, but like how it's like on a Tuesday and a Thursday, if you hit three of these four markers, then you have anxiety. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of, it reminds me of, uh, I don't know if you're a sports fan, but like when baseball uh-huh. statistics, it's like, this is the yeah. first time in the month of March on a Wednesday that a catcher hit three home runs on the second week of March. And it's like so yeah. specific yeah. statistic that it's like, ridiculous but they have to say something so can we then define little t big t because that's thrown out a lot so can we define that yeah so big t traumas are those things that the dsm would call trauma the things that are immediate threats to your life or your bodily integrity pandemic 11 yes for what happened in florida the collapse of the the building you know like those wars yeah Wars, mass violence, mass shootings. I think that's a big common one that unfortunately we see so much more these days. Um, Terrorism, things like that. And then it's, it's anything, I define it as anything that in a single instant can overwhelm your nervous system and disrupt the course of your life. Mm -hmm. Whereas little T traumas, it doesn't mean that they're less disruptive. It just means that they're more chronic. So things like abuse, neglect, um, unemployment for long periods of time, hello, COVID, um, the chronic threat of catching this disease that we don't know what it does to you, things like that. Racism, the, those chronic ongoing things, they're not necessarily smaller, but they don't pose an immediate threat to your life, but they, they add up because they're chronic and can lead to the overwhelm of the nervous system in the way that a big T trauma can get. And is little t complex trauma? Is that what we're kind of, is that really what we're talking yeah. about? Yeah, that's, it's like that's chronic I, continued mm-hmm. overwhelming. Yeah, there's of the no, nervous system. Yeah, the overwhelm of the nervous system, that's chronic. So you can't really look back and point out like last Saturday at 10 o'clock a.m., this thing happened and I have felt different ever since. It's like this yeah. thing went on and on and on and on and on and it has affected me. Yeah, so it's that complex PTSD. And, and and then why do people so often when they when they deal with distress or frustration or annoyance jump right to using that word of oh that was so traumatizing or that was I'm now traumatized why is it yeah. so why is it so easy to use that 
maybe you don't know the answer and I hope you do. Why is it so easy to slip from the tongue to be able to say like, oh, that was so traumatizing? You know, it's, it's this thing where certain mental health conditions are coming more into our social consciousness, which on the one hand is really great. Like we have language now to talk about things that for a long time, people were like, I don't know what's wrong with me. But then the like other side of that coin is that we then overuse those terms or some people have a tendency to overuse those terms. And I think maybe when someone is saying, you know, traffic was really bad to get here today, I'm kind of traumatized by it. We as therapists are like, okay, hold on, that's not trauma. Don't use that term. But maybe they're trying to convey just how upsetting it was to them. Like this wasn't just something that you know, happened. Like I'm, I'm pretty annoyed by this is maybe I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. I think that's what they're trying to say. And it's funny. Cause as a therapist, when people in my family or my life or the world around me use that word, it like bugs me. It irks me so yeah. much. I'm like, I work with trauma and like people who've been sexually abused, physically yeah. assaulted, physically abused people who have been through and have legitimate PTSD. And you're like, Oh, something happened in my day. I'm now traumatized. Like I got cut off in traffic and now I'm traumatized and I have to like balance that idea of like correcting them mm-hmm. versus like, like this idea of canceling or like, yes, negating their feelings, but at the same time at a better time explaining or trying to understand that we use that word when something bad or big happens, like the big bad wolf bothers mm-hmm. us. It's like, that's the word we now associate with bad things that happen in our life. But we have to be careful because there are people who every day legitimately are filled with trauma mm-hmm. or have been traumatized. Mm-hmm. How has it been? Because that's a very special niche or niche mm-hmm. still on this podcast have not figured out the right term to use niche or niche. <laughs> and I say both just to cover yeah. my basis. So I get no haters, um, niche niche. There you go. Everyone's good. Um, <laughs> Apple, you know, I oh, was sorry. I'm uh, orange, orange, Florida, Florida. We'll get all the words out there. Um, <laughs> How did you get into that work? Because that's a very special person. I I don't know you from a hole in the wall. I know you through social media. I love your work. I think you're amazing at what you do. Um, It takes a special person to get into that world. So what kind of pushed you or what kind of got you into that world? Um, Well, when I first came to grad school and, you know, you're studying anything and everything in graduate school, trying to figure out what sticks for you. um, I began doing research with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans um, from our current wars here in the United States. And they just had this very unique experience, obviously, um, that was typically very traumatizing for a lot of them. And just the things that I witnessed with them as far as resiliency, this concept of community, helping them to get through their ability to adjust and grow and overcome trauma was really inspiring to me. So that's sort of where I got started studying it. And then it expanded from there into other communities who have experienced a lot of trauma. And I still to this day work with veterans um, and they're some of my favorite people on earth. And I love, 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 love working with them, but that's where it really started for me. And to get that kind of clear sense of what trauma can do to a person and also how resilient people are and how they can not necessarily overcome it. Cause I don't believe that we overcome trauma. It, it always is distressing, but to go on and live rich and meaningful lives, despite the trauma yeah. that happened. I love that you just added that last sentence. I think that's so important for people to understand and what this podcast is all about is bringing conversations of mental health topics and wellness topics. And this idea that we can be fixed or solve a problem and no longer experience something. What I talk a lot 
with um, my, my clients or with people that I work with often is that I have no magic wand, even though sometimes I might look like Harry Potter, depending on the glasses, <laughs> I have no magic wand. I have no magic pill. Even the pills you might take from a psychiatrist that are for your mental health will not solve and fix a problem. It's about learning how to either lessen the intensities of those problems and then learn how to navigate your life with the problems as a backseat driver there with you. It will never leave the car. It will be there. It might come up 10 years later, 15 years later, but now you know how to handle it and won't come out as it won't come out as intensely or strong in your face. You know, yeah. I love your story about, about how you got involved because I think the, the veteran world is so underserved. Um, and and we, we always talk about this. It's on the news. It's everywhere. We know it. We know it. You know it. And nothing gets done about it as much as we would like. That's a lot of issues. And for me, my history into trauma is that I worked in a psychiatric unit for like nine months. And I just saw the fragility and resilience of human beings. Mm -hmm. And it brought me to tears some days. It made me feel proud to be working with people um, and understanding humans are so complex and dealing with so much stuff every day that I was like, I got, I got to work with trauma. Now I don't work with trauma as a, as a professional regarding specialist. I, I dabble in it because mm -hmm. I'm certified in trauma focused therapy. It is one of my like tools that I use, but for you to be a trauma specialist, um, that is a heavy burden to carry. So how do you, how do you handle that? My own therapy. I am the biggest proponent of mental health professionals being in their own therapy because the things that we hear and bear witness to are they're, they're earth shattering and yeah. we can't go home and tell our, our family, our friends, our spouse, you know, Hey, this is what I heard today. Cause that betrays our client's confidentiality. And that's just not what we're about. Um, and so I think it's so valuable to have a confidential non-judgmental space to just unfold and say, Oh my gosh, this is the craziness that I bore witness to this week. Yeah. I, I'm a huge proponent of, of therapy. I've been in therapy. Uh, haven't been recently just because of just moving and COVID and all that stuff, but have been in the past as a therapist. I think it's so important um, sure. to learn. And for any mental health professional, um, if you need it, find it. Um, don't don't make excuses for your self-care because it's, it's hugely important. And for people who are not mental health professionals who are listening, going, what? Therapists have therapists? I thought you have to have yourself together. This is how we have our stuff together yes. because we're yes. taking care of ourselves because we can then be better for our clients and for our families and for ourselves. And honestly, even if we didn't go to therapy, just because we have uh, a licensure does not mean we are perfect. Just like doctors can get sick, right? It doesn't mean that they don't get sick just because they're doctors, um, just because therapists have their own mental health struggles because we're human. Um, so I love that you added that in. You know, I wrote down a few questions to, to kind of get to so people can understand more about trauma and how to help with trauma. For someone who isn't sure, mm -hmm. how does someone, if it isn't the big T's, like if someone didn't experience a massive change or a massive, you know, let's say they didn't go through the classics like war, 9-11, the big deals, mm -hmm. not that the other trauma isn't big, but I'm talking about the big examples that we've used or thrown out there for big T trauma. How could someone become aware that maybe they have been traumatized and to get help for that? How does it mask itself somehow in other things that people can become aware and get help for that versus, oh, I have X, Y, and Z issue? It masks itself in so many different ways. And that's a lot of why 
I put out education on Instagram because I think a lot of these things that we're kind of noticing in our culture and our society might actually be reflections of trauma um, rather than the issue that we think they are. So some of the kind of big ones I notice are perfectionism, which is rooted in this belief that like, I am so vulnerable that I cannot make a mistake because mistakes equal trauma, which results in perfectionism. There's the whole codependency, which is, it it can be kind of a polarizing term. And so some people prefer the term people pleasing. So I just have to please others and make sure everybody else is happy to ensure my own safety and well-being. Um, And then the biggest one I see is substance abuse. So many folks are abusing substances as a way to not have to think about and deal with their trauma and feel the feelings associated with their trauma. So those tend to be kind of like red flags for me when they walk in the door of my therapy office of like, well, maybe there's some trauma going on here. Um, How do you bring up the topic? That it might be trauma. Yeah. And so like someone's like, oh yeah, I have an addiction or, you know, I really want to be perfect or I'm a PO pleaser. It's like, well, you yeah. might have trauma, you know, how do you, how do you bring that up in a nice way as a therapist or a calm collected way to broach the topic that maybe there's something that they have been avoiding, pushing off, not realizing, not noticing, have hidden for a while. How do you kind of bring that out without insulting them? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, like it's you're a- traumatized. Yeah. It's super tricky. I think the way that we would bring up anything, just a lot of questions and reflective listening and like, help me understand. I want to know more about that. Is there a link between this and this? How do you make sense of that? With substance use, um, you know, I I often reflect to people that for the most part, as, as far as I've seen, nobody is using substances to the point of addiction because things are going well. So tell me what isn't going well. Um, and, and people really resonate with that. They're like, you know, they know what's up. They're not, they're not trying to hide it. Um, I'm only laughing because, you know, as a therapist, I've dealt with people who, who have been, have had struggles with addiction. Um, that, that is not my expertise by no means do I work in that community. And I, my cousin does, and I commend him and I love that he does that. And he's certified and, you know, in a KSAC and all that kind of stuff and, and all that, right. That's what, how, that's how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and, yeah. uh, and uh, all those wonderful people who work in the addiction world, it is not my jam, not my thing. But when someone comes to me and they are struggling with addiction issues and they're like, I'm fine. You're not because you wouldn't be doing that if you were fine. Um, just like any negative behavior, Right. Right. We wouldn't be doing it if we were just, if we were good, like I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. It's like, reminds me of Ross who like gets really high in his voice, you know, like <laughs> I'm fine, um, but really you're not right. If you say that 18 times in a set and sometimes I point that out. If I have a client who's in my office who says like, mm-hmm. I'm fine about 20 times, I point that out. I'm like, you've mentioned I'm fine about 20 times to me. Yeah. Are you really right? Because why are you trying to prove to me that you're fine? Right. And it, it's, and sometimes the secret sauce of therapists, and I'm sorry if I ruin your your career now um, <laughs> is is that we really are there because we have no bias, no we're not, we have no agenda. We're not trying to make someone cry. We're not trying to hurt someone's feelings. We're not trying to cause pain. We make observations where you might not, where you have blind spots, or you might not have ever asked that question to yourself to bring it out into the open, where you then can see it and go, oh, oh wow, I didn't know that. That aha moment, that ability to then deal with it. Right. That's the secret right. sauce of therapists. It is. Yeah, it absolutely is. Of course, there's a lot more training, 
It's not just like <laughs> yeah. ask questions and now you're a therapist. Yeah, totally. You're making me think of a recent um, client I worked with who was kind of, you know, not to share client information or anything, but this person was at a crossroads in life of like, I don't know if I want to go this way or that way. And it was a pretty big decision and, and good for them. They sought therapy to sort of sort that out. And after, I don't know, 15, 20 sessions, the client comes to me and goes, you know, I really don't know what your agenda is. I don't know if you want me to go this way or that way. And I was like, you know, success, I don't have an agenda. I want what's best for you. And this space is for you to figure out what that is in a safe way with somebody who doesn't have an agenda, who's not, has no skin in the game. Um, And so I love that you said that that is absolutely the role of a therapist. Sometimes people hate that. They're like, just tell me what to do. And I'm like, no, it's not my life. Yes. Especially with trauma. Because people, especially with trauma. Yeah. They just are like, tell me what to do to make this go away. I'll do anything. Give me the recipe. There isn't one. And, you know, I want to, you know, this conversation is bringing up a thought process that I've had with some clients over the years. And I want to kind of ask your opinion and thoughts, not as a therapist, a therapist, but how to deal with it from a family perspective, Mm -hmm. from a friend perspective. I've worked with clients where they are severely traumatized, whether it's sexual abuse, whether it's rape, whether it's assault, um, and they finally bring it out to their family. Like I've been sexually assaulted multiple times. I, by me, I mean my clients or people in the world. How do you help or how does how do families, what is your advice or thought process for how to help families, one, make someone feel safe, and two, help them through that process? Because I feel a lot of times, and I've worked with people a lot of times, where all of a sudden, specifically if someone is an adult and they get sexually assaulted, they make the blame on the person. Well, you put yourself in a situation, you should know better, you're an adult. You know, you shouldn't have dressed that way. You shouldn't have been alone with that person. All the blame, all the blame, all the blame. When in reality, the person is literally on their hands and knees crying and opening their heart to you. And that's your first response. So let's back up a little bit and and kind of maybe help the families and friends and, and, and husbands and wives of people who are opening up about their trauma. Yeah, it's, it's so important. And I think the reason that trauma survivors, when they tell their story, are often met with, well, what were you doing? Did you think about this? What were you wearing? We, they get those questions, right? Because the person hearing the story probably feels at least to some degree, the level of terror and fear and overwhelm that the trauma survivor feels and wants to psychologically protect against that by saying, how could I prevent this from happening to me? This could happen to you, it could happen to me. So what were you doing? What were you wearing? Who were you with? Why were you doing that? So I can you know, do all those things to protect myself. Makes sense if I were doing that, but also don't do it. It doesn't help the, the trauma survivor. Just kind of sit with that discomfort and let that tell you just how traumatized this person is. And I think it comes back to what we always say is you have to believe them. If somebody is coming to you in that state, you know, I haven't told anybody this ever, or it's been 10, 20 years and this thing happened and I'm finally coming to terms with it. Believe them. That's not easy. People don't do that for attention or, you know, all these other reasons that we claim people do that. They do that because they're wanting support. And the key way to support somebody who has a trauma history is through safety, helping them to feel safe, seen, heard, accepted, valued. So don't pressure them to 
get through it, get over it, make sense of their feelings, um, heal, get better, just be there to make them feel safe so that they can do the work on their own terms, take back that power, that control that was denied to them through their trauma. And I think what we saw about, I, I, I can't think of the time frame. I don't even know what year we're in or what day we're in right now, yeah, me um, but whenever all the me too, uh-huh. um, hype and, and, and power and whatever word you want to use for the movement to speak up and speak out and be honest with trauma. I know it started with, with a lot of Harvey Weinstein stuff and no, I am not related. My name is Weinstein. <laughs> I am not related. I've been asked plenty of times. Yeah, not related whatsoever. I know another wine scene who is like third, second cousins. It's not me. I'm not related. I promise. Um, and even if I was, doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, uh, I got asked once in the airport if I was related to Harvey Weinstein by security. And I was like, are you not going to let me on the plane? Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not, but, it, <laughs> but divulge for a second, um, whatever ADHD brain for a second, um, get back to topic. The idea that the Me Too movement happened, one of the biggest things that I saw as a therapist, I'm like, yes, amazing. You're talking up, you're, you're, you're bringing your voice to trauma for women and for men. And, and people are, are now getting strength and, and numbers. And we're now feeling more comfortable. People were like, why, why, why you wait? Huh? Are you trying to get fame? Are you trying to make money? Like, what are you doing? Like this looks, yeah. this looks fake. This looks um, a little too opportunist. People were saying about people coming out, especially even with, let's say, um, someone who I truly admire, who I've never met, Ali Raisman, uh, the idea, you know, that happened with the U.S. gymnastics teams. They were saying it for years. They were telling people and no one was listening and no one was like, oh, he's just a doctor. That's part of the treatment. Excuse, excuse, excuse. And it was like, sorry, no more excuses. So for people who believe now, there are some people who seek attention in the world sure. and lie. That wow. is very true. Mm-hmm. We'll never know who is and who isn't. So our first response, like you said, is believe them. Why does it hurt you to believe someone if it doesn't change your life and impact your life? If you can be there for someone and you can be supportive for someone and someone tells you, hey, this happened to me a month ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there's no statue of limitations on believing someone. Right. Right. I like that. So, there's no rules. There's no rules. It's not like law is going to come in and go, sorry, you can't believe after 10 years. So why, what's the hurt? What's the harm? Why do people jump so fast to calling out people for being opportunists or lying? And I know you said a little bit before about the idea of trying to protect your safety, mm-hmm. but why can't we believe someone? Is it that we don't want to? I think the concept of trauma is so, I mean, by definition, it's, it's overwhelming. And so we think of it as something that happens out there to them, to other people. And when we see somebody who's a family member, a friend, a colleague, whatever, yeah, that, that we see ourselves in, in some way. And they're saying, I experienced this. I lived through this. It, it brings up something in us that says, oh, trauma is real and it affects people like me and I got to protect against that. And the easiest way to do that is say, nah, you're making it up. You're being an yeah. it's, it's like deflecting it because I think a lot of us, we watch so much TV mm-hmm. and there's so much intense TV shows, whether it's Law and Order SVU. By the way, I cannot watch that show anymore. Uh, I've worked with too many clients who've been sexually assaulted. 
Um, it just, I can't, I can't deal yes. with it. I just don't watch it. it I want to, if I'm going to watch TV, I want to get away from my, my daily job. <laughs> yeah, <honestly>. um, <laughs> so, uh, and we have, you know, war movies and they, they make it look like a certain thing on TV. And when it finally gets into your home, you're yes. like, wait, wait, this is real. Like, right. this is not on TV. Wait, people do get raped. Mm-hmm. Wait, people, people do die in war and people, well, wait. This is, this is actual, like this is life. Right. So I think when it kind of hits home, we get very afraid very and afraid. we deny and we, and we push away and we reject and we then blame and put on the other people. Now I want to touch on a, a maybe a different, to- same topic, but different and maybe aspect of it, um, how that can impact a intimate relationship because yeah. trauma can impact how we process and perceive the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it can kind of color our view of being in danger when we're not, um, being anxious when we shouldn't be, um, even though I hate that word shouldn't, but when we're not yeah. in danger and our body doesn't need to be on anxiety mode, when things are calm and collected and we are actually safe, but we perceive the world as unsafe. For the partner and spouse who has someone in their life that is going through that trauma or learning about their trauma, working through their trauma, or has not worked on their trauma yet, how do you kind of navigate that as a supportive partner as well as taking care of yourself and the relationship because you matter just as much. So how do you kind of navigate that up and down in that whirlwind whirlwind of, of uh, emotions and frustrations? It is so tricky. It, that, that's one of the hardest pieces of trauma recovery, I think, is the relationship aspect. And I would say to any partner who has, who's in a relationship with somebody who does have a trauma history is to become trauma-informed yourself understand how it works, what it does to a person, know your partner's triggers, know their history. Um, and of course that comes with time and trust, right? These are not things we share on a first date, you know, sit down and say, Hey, this is my trauma. This is how it affects me. There's, there's a a lead up to it. And it comes with a slow disclosure of small parts and demonstrated, um, trust and safety. But if you, if you are in a relationship with a person who has been traumatized, become trauma-informed yourself. And I want to add, you know, I, I recently worked with a client, no longer working with them, and there was a lot of trauma in the in the in the in the, in the relationship, a lot of sexual assault in their past, mm-hmm. and it was very hard for the partner to accept that mm-hmm. and move past it as the person being who they are versus them viewing them through the lens of you did X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was very, very difficult scenario and very difficult situation. And it's hard sometimes. And, and it doesn't mean that you have to like it or enjoy it as a partner. It doesn't mean you have to. Um, it, it's, it's about you being supportive and loving the best that you can. And if you can't, get help. Mm-hmm. If you can't and it's too much for you, it's understandable. I'm not saying that it's an excuse to run. But what I'm saying is it's un- I want to give kind of grace to the people yeah. who have partners in their life who go through trauma. It's understandable for it to impact your life as well. Uh, it's understandable for it to be harmful and hurtful to you, whether it was about you and not about you, connected to you, not connected to you. It's okay to, to be pained by it and hurt by it and you not know how to handle it. You don't need to know how to handle it. Most people don't. And I'll be very honest, some therapists don't even know how to deal with it sometimes. That's right. That's why we have specialists like Dr. Megan Johnson, right? <laughs> that is, yeah. 
That's so true. I was, I've been recently surprised by how many therapists get through the whole school internship training licensure and know nothing about trauma or have never knowingly worked with a trauma survivor, um, which is part of why we created our education platform. We're like, you got to know about this if you're going to yeah. be working with people. You do. Um, and, yeah, and, 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 you know, one of the reasons why I love talking with people like yourself and, and mental health professionals and, and and uh, one of the reasons why I love trauma, like I said before, as a therapist, as a mental health professional, is I think we all have handled it or have dealt with trauma, whether it's in our own lives, connected to our lives, um, um, whether it's we've all been touched by trauma some way or another, which makes trauma re- relevant in everyone's lives who comes into your office as a mental health professional. Now, I am not an expert, like I said. But being informed, being aware, being a trauma-informed therapist, I think is a basic foundation that you should have as a therapist. Just like when I get phone calls and go, oh, you know, I've talked to five therapists and I want to work with someone who works with anxiety. Like, if you're not a therapist who understands anxiety, like, that's a problem. Because anxiety and depression are like the basic foundations of why people go to therapy. It's one of the most common diagnosed and worked with mental health diagnosis. So if you don't know how to work with anxiety and depression... Maybe you should go back to school. Um, and I'm not trying to be sassy with all professionals who say, oh, I don't work with anxiety. If you know and you don't want to and you have specialties somewhere else, good yeah. for you. But if you don't know how to or you haven't been trained or worked through that or understand it, you're missing out on the basic foundations. And I do believe that trauma-informed therapy, you don't have to be a specialist. You don't have to know how to work with the ins and outs. But to get a basic foundation of trauma work, that's 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 just that's just basic. That's just, that just, I'm speechless because it's just, yeah. that, that's how you should be a therapist, yeah. which is why I found your account because mm-hmm. I saw you posting unbelievable content about trauma and trauma informed work and the ins and outs of how therapy and trauma works and what goes on in the mind and the body. You got to check out Dr. <laughs> Megan Johnson's account. You have to, if you're a therapist or not, it's important work. So if that's the case, um, for someone, the last two questions, the first question is for people who might be going through trauma, mm-hmm. what are one to three kind of things you can kind of, if they're listening to this, mm-hmm. if they haven't dealt with it yet, or they're going through it right now, or they've never realized they had trauma, what are like one to three things you could say to people who might be listening, who are on the edge or worrying, maybe they have trauma or not, or they haven't had help yet with trauma. I mean, the biggest thing I no would pressure. say. Yeah. yeah. Three things. Um, the biggest thing I would say is to talk to a professional. I mean, there's so much good information online. There's also so much bad information online. And that's part of why I started my Instagram account is like people, like you were saying, throw around the word trauma. People talk about all these other conditions that like, maybe there's some underlying trauma going on there. So it's meant to be educational. It will never fully encapsulate your unique experience. I cannot speak to that in an Instagram post. You must talk to a professional who understands your story and can help you untangle those things. The second thing I would say is safety. It's all about safety. Don't try to untangle or process your trauma when you are in the midst of another trauma or you don't have support or things are really unstable. You've got to have some semblance of safety, whether that's a community or stability of some sort. Um, it doesn't mean things have to be perfect for you to untangle your trauma, but that you, you can't be in the midst of other chaos while doing it. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Love that. And where can people find you? Where can they find your information? Where can they reach out to you? 
Yeah. So the, the place I spend the most time online is my Instagram account, which is just my name, Dr. Megan Johnson. Um, and then I've got a couple of websites, uh, one website for my private practice where I see individual clients. Um, and that's called woven trauma therapy. We've got all sorts of blogs and eBooks and, and stuff there as far as education. Um, but the real education platform where I teach is called Traumastery, it's traumastery.com. Um, and we've got all sorts of programs and lectures and courses about trauma and they're for both trauma survivors, therapists, and other professionals like teachers, nurses, pastors who work with trauma on a regular Amazing. basis. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Dr. Megan Johnson. Thank you so much for coming on today's show and making the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much to listening to this week's episode of The Dude Therapist. And it only is happening because of you, the listeners, tuning in every week, even twice a week, to this show all about mental health, relationships, and wellness topics. And really, let's be honest, everything in between. And I'm so excited to show up every time and having great guests. So thank you. And if you have any questions, concerns, ideas, collaborations, email me at thedudetherapist at gmail.com. Follow me on Instagram at thedudetherapist. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your ideas. I can't wait to hear from you. And if you can go along, subscribe, rate, review on all the streaming sites that you're listening on. I truly appreciate it because that's what make this thing happen. So thanks for tuning in this week and see you next time on the Dude Therapist podcast. We've got more guests and more great content coming your way.